Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that goes all over the world to find the best property stories. And today we're heading north from our London studio to ask, what's Scotland doing to make itself so attractive to property investors? There are projected to be 32,000 new office-based jobs that will be created in Scotland over the next five years. And we'll be taking a look at Glasgow's perfect storm of development opportunity. Glasgow as a city is in a state of resurgence and that is primarily as a function of the office, the hotel and the residential market all expanding simultaneously, which I've never seen in my working career. I'm Guy Ruddle and with me are two of Scotland's finest, the flowers of Scotland. Nick Penny is head of Savile Scotland and a director in the investment team. He might not thank me for saying it, but he's been a master of the Scottish commercial property scene for more than 20 years. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Guy. And Bruce Patrick leads Savile's mixed-use development team in Scotland. He's in the same team as Nick. And that's all about getting the commercial and residential sides of the industry thinking and working more closely together. Hello, Bruce. How are you? I'm well, Guy. How are you? And I've been told to say congratulations because you've just won three awards at the Scottish Property Awards, the pair of you, or your team, is that right? That's right. We were selected as winners of the uh, Deal of the Year Award for a JP Morgan uh, headquarters office building in Glasgow. Uh, and then the investment yeah, team. Which investment team of the year and also the industrial team of the year. So we were delighted, actually. So a good result from, from last Thursday. I feel honoured to be in the same studio. <laughs> so let's talk about the Scottish market. I think sitting here last year, this time last year in Q1 2019, with all that was ahead of us in terms of Brexit and so on and so forth, we were concerned that, that volumes would be below the 10-year average, whereas we ended up above the 10-year average, which is, was hugely surprising. But but I, th- I guess underlines that Scotland is a very attractive place for a number of reasons that hopefully we'll talk about today. Well, let's talk about them now. Bruce, why do you think that well, that happened? I think the, 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 the market fundamentals are that Scotland is coming off a relatively lower base as a result of hangover from the great financial crash, uh, Scottish politics playing uh, a part to keep prices down. And so the the, the yield, the return that an investor uh, can make from their investments in Scotland is that much higher, certainly, than the London markets and is even uh, softer than some of the other key regional markets um, which investors will compare returns to. So I think it's partly Scotland coming off a low base, um, but also I think it's the investor uh, the, the investor target market realising that uh, Scotland is a fantastic place to to, to invest in terms of uh, education, a varied and diversified economy. Um, tourism is is really emerging as a key sector. Life sciences and our universities are expanding. So I think investors are encouraged by indigenous investment, uh, by uh, key Scottish industries and you know, at the end of the day, they're attracted to growth and Scotland's showing lots of that at the present time. And I, I sort of should ask the question, when we talk about Scotland and commercial property, so offices, retail and things like that, are we fundamentally talking about Edinburgh, Glasgow, probably Aberdeen? 
It's certainly been the, where the, the focus of investment has been for a number of years and, and more recently, mainly in Edinburgh and Glasgow. Aberdeen's obviously had its challenges with, with the, the oil price crash um, and the challenges that that's led to in the occupational markets, um, which has had a knock-on effect into the investment market. But there has been activity up there and there's been some big deals up there. And going back to Bruce's point, you know, some of those yields that we can see in, in, in Aberdeen particularly compared to other regional markets are very, very, very attractive. Um, just picking up on a point that Bruce made there, I think the, the interesting thing, a lot of that investment that we've seen into Scotland over the last few years, particularly by the foreign investors, has been into the office market. And that, I think, part part of the reason investors invest in Scotland and in any um, asset class is obviously for rental growth. Off the back of global financial crisis, we then had the lead into the first independence referendum, which almost delayed that pickup in the market and the development cycle. So delayed the, the new office stock coming through and other developments coming through. So it's really put a squeeze on supply, which is, and, and, and demand is, has kind of kept a pace with other regional cities. So what we've seen over the last few years, particularly in Glasgow and in Edinburgh, is this is this proper rental growth in the office market that we've not seen for quite a number of years. Just because there's not enough decent stock. Yes, yeah, supply and demand, and there's there's you're right. There's there's no new or very little new brand new decent stock. Does it? Yeah, sort of. At one level, that makes perfect sense. That you know, if there's not enough stock, then the, the good stock there is commands a high price and everything. But if there genuinely isn't enough what's called grade a stock does it not make make sort of potential occupiers go actually that's not a city for us because we just can't get the property is that a danger as well yeah, as an opportunity that's, that's, a, that's a really good point and i think you've you've hit the nail on the head um <laughs> that, that, that often we and we, we don't uh, talk about that but you're absolutely right i think where where we've got a challenge in edinburgh i think in terms of brand new grade a stock just now there's less than a hundred thousand square feet available uh interesting last year in 2019 the take-up of new stock was massively down on the year before because there wasn't the supply of stuff that, that, that tenants were wanting. There are a few developments coming through over the next few years and and, and there's massive interest in those um, those schemes. Um, we're involved in a number of them um, and and I think that demonstrates that your point exactly, that there is, there is huge demand. We will be suffering because there will be some tenants who will be looking for space in Edinburgh who will just have to give up the ghost and look elsewhere. So we will be missing out on, on, on some of these big tenants, no doubt. Bruce, Nick was, was talking a little bit about the first referendum and the, the policy of the situation sort of slightly as if it's gone away but I don't think it has has it yeah I, I think that the, the Scottish p- politics are going to remain in focus until the next Scottish Parliament elections uh, in 2021 it, it, it's become you know like a problem child something you just had to live with uh, over the last five years I think most people um, from a, a, a property investment and business point of view have got used to understanding which clients are scared off by political risk or perceptions of political risk and those that aren't uh, scared off by it. And I think what's actually been attractive to people is those that aren't scared off by it have been able to come into our markets at softer yields and make better returns. Of this new money that's coming in, uh, over half of it last year was overseas money, right? That's right. It was, I think it was just over half, but over a billion pounds of the 2.2 billion that were invested in Scotland. And it was a real mix. If you look back over the last 10 years, I think that, that if taking aside 2016, which was the zenith of, of recent overseas investment, but it was skewed massively by APG um, taking a big stake in the St. James Centre, and that was, that was a £750 million 
investment into that amazing development that's coming out of the ground, which skewed the numbers massively that year. If you take that out, last year was the most amount of money that overseas investors have invested in Scotland over the last 10 years, and probably ever. Um, you know, We've got stats going back, and, and pre-global financial crisis, the market was dominated by UK institutions and prop goes, and the odd overseas investor. But last year, we saw money from America, from the Middle East, from the Far East, from Europe, uh, all investing in Scotland. And there was a real diverse group of overseas investors that came into the market. And that's important, isn't it? Because you could you could look at that and you could say, well, that's a big vote of confidence. Or you could say, well, you know, international money is quite easily turned off if people change their minds quickly. And if you've got you know, such a big percentage, but if it's diverse and coming from a variety of places, do, what does that say about sort of the, the 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 attractiveness of Scotland to, to, to the rest of the world? Um, I think there's a, num- a number of things Bruce has touched upon earlier on, you know, in terms of education, tourism, you know, Scotland's a great place. We do trade at a bit of a discount and, you know, p- perhaps the Scottish independence um, cloud that sits across us um, it means that there's less competition and therefore pricing is maybe a bit softer relative to some of the other markets. I would say, though, that the, 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 the deals at the sharp end of the range um, last year and over the last two years have been very, very comparable with other major UK regional cities. Um, there's obviously been the currency play, which has made investing in the UK attractive over the last few years. Um, but fundamentally, we, we've got some really good stock and there's been lots of competition in other UK centres, Birmingham, Manchester, Bristol, Cambridge, and obviously London and, and the wider southeast. Um, so I think I think some of these investors have looked at their portfolio and most of these investors are now global investors and they're looking at comparable yields, not just in UK cities, but across the world. So yields in, in Central Europe and in, in the Far East much much lower and if you're looking for an income return actually real estate is probably one of the only places you can get a proper income return these days you can leverage on it and get proper cash and cash returns up towards 10% so um, I think Scotland is attractive on a number of levels relative pricing to UK relative pricing to the rest of the world and arguably potentially a bit less competition to pick up on Bruce's point about the those that are still a bit wary of independence and I, and I do think that some of the overseas investors look upon us in a bit of a bemused fashion and say, you know, your, your, your country is a fantastic place. Why this self-flagellation about, you know, woe and disaster around political uh, issues when actually, you know, Brexit in many senses is a far greater risk to um, liquidity in the property markets than Scottish um, uh, politics is. And, you know, I think most of them say, well, look, Scotland has got uh, a capital city and a major UK big six city within a forty-minute drive of each other. It's got Aberdeen that, when it when it when it performs well, you can actually measure its improvement to to UK GDP. And then it's got all these other attributes that that, that Nick's talking about. And they're just like, you know, come on, guys, you know, you should be you should be out there proud rather than saying you know, focusing on the on the negative stuff. We, we had an interesting one a couple of years ago when there was a, an overseas investor investing in, in, or looking at an investment in Edinburgh and one of my colleagues said, you know, are you not worried about the political situation? And that was the broader political situation with independence, Brexit, everything. And he looked at my colleague and he said, he said, Mark, he said, you're worried about political unrest. He said, I am worried about being invaded. And and it kind of put it in the context of, of actually that, that relativity of what, what Bruce has mentioned there is, you know, we've got a strong legal system, we've got a well-established political system relative to a lot of these other jurisdictions, all these other great things, you know, FRI leases, we've got, we've got you know, a proper governance in, around about real estate, and it, it provides a really attractive increment return, so, so what's not to like? 
Is there a sort of Glasgow versus Edinburgh thing that goes on in the property world, as in sometimes in other worlds? You can yeah, so, so I, I, I was got, one of you from one city uh, in the yeah, other. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's work so, out who's from so, here. Where so, are you from, Bruce? Glasgow, yeah. yeah and you're an Edinburgh man, Edinburgh man, man. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's very definitely a Glasgow. <laughs> 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 goes on, yeah. and and this is from a rugby level uh, all, yeah. all, all all the way through to business. But I, I think w- what is interesting is that in many senses, Central Scotland is is one super commuter belt. Um, Edinburgh, in many senses, because it is the capital city, gets the initial investor focus. Uh, it's got a much more buoyant tourist economy uh, than than Glasgow has, and historically, pump primed by financial sector and be been seen as a front of office location whereas glasgow has been more population reasonably well educated cheaper to live and more of a sort of back office occupa- occupational market from an office sense but i think the arrival of um barclays uh, to the uh, tradeston site with buchanan wharf and establishing their european hub has changed that and that's coming on the back of morgan stanley developing a new 150,000 square foot headquarter building um just off bothwell street and then just at the tail end of last year we had jp morgan announcing that they were going to deliver their 275,000 square foot hub on argyll street so I think the uh, Gl- Glasgow is beginning to get some of Edinburgh's shine, and quite frankly, it, it, it's it's been too long coming. Nick, that, it, it was that J.P. Morgan deal. deal. Well, I saw that, and I said, "Hold on a second, Edinburgh's financial services, mm-hmm. isn't it?" Yeah, no, you lose it. You're even losing your financial services. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's a fair point. Um, J.P. Morgan have been in Glasgow for 150 years, and, okay. and is, is one of their major centres, and and rightly so. You know, and you know, Bruce has hit the nail on the head that again. You know, the, the, this is I think the central belt of Scotland is now one super commuter belt, and and you know many of the occupiers now are be are looking to be based close to the railway stations in either city, so that they can that, that commute between the cities can be much easier, much more efficient for. For staff, um, and and for uh, that that commuting of of information and talent, um, and 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 many of the major developments around the country, around the world, are, are obviously sat on top of of transportation hubs. Um, you know, Glasgow is 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 a fantastic. Place. I love going to Glasgow. I, I, I'm born and bred in Edinburgh. I'll always defend Edinburgh in, in this conversation. But but you know, I, I think that over the last few years, we'll go go back to some of the the, the facts around about um, investment into both cities. Edinburgh has had a, a two or three years of, of real, really good activity in terms of investment market. Um, Glasgow has lagged a little bit, but I think going forward, and Bruce is involved in a huge number of these new developments uh, sites in, in Glasgow and in Edinburgh, um, many of them which are mixed use. You know, there's a much greater focus on Glasgow. I think just now there's two there's two big sites in Edinburgh that are, that are, that are being taken forward just now: Haymarket and Newtown North, and we've got the St James Centre, which is coming out, which we mentioned earlier on. That will complete later this year the first phase uh, Haymarket will start to come out of the ground um, now and Newtown North is about to go in for planning but in Glasgow there's 10, 12 big comparable sites Um, and that that occupational interest in Glasgow with, with the likes of Morgan Stanley Barclays JP Morgan has all, all of a sudden transformed the the scene in Glasgow, and I think over the next few years there, there'll be a real focus on Glasgow from the investor community. Yeah, because um, I was going to say, you know, for the for the future, you know, what ha- what needs to happen in Scotland for for the future to be as bright or brighter 
the, than the recent past. And and I sort of suspect that the answer is to do with development. Is it, Bruce? Yes. Yeah, so so the 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 Glasgow Gla- Glasgow as a city is in a is in a state of resurgence, and that is primarily as a function of the office, the hotel, and the residential market all expanding simultaneously, which I've never seen in my working career. Um, and what that is doing is it's putting um, pressure on landowners, planners, funders, and occupiers who are now beginning to jostle for the best sites. And you know, the, the, what that is doing is it's giving us a chance to reshape Glasgow for, for the future. We're also in a very privileged position of having two major universities within a, a two-mile arc of each other, those universities located in the east in the main G1, G2 office district and in the west in G12, which is the prime residential district. And so you've got this phenomenal connection between the two universities and this significant amount of brownfield sites that sit between these two universities upon which you can build new developments of scale. And it's, it's interesting, if you look at, again, going back to the, the interest in these sites, so where we've been through a few tougher years in terms of you know, political background and where there have been fewer domestic investors looking at bigger opportunities and some of them have gone to overseas investors, very interestingly, when these key sites have come to the market for, for you know, to be bought or to be funded, you know, the Haymarket, Newtown North and in, in, in the East and others in the West, there is a there's a list as long as my arm of of, of investors who were chasing these sites and and created massive competition where which we didn't see for plain old vanilla investments or or single use development sites and these big mix you know, big mix use sites are where it's happening that's where that's where occupiers want to be that's where people want to live and people want to work people want to be close to people want to engage with and be you'll know, be stimulated by um, you know St James I say will be the the first one that comes comes through that will transform Edinburgh but you know Haymarket slightly different office and and a hotel but it will transform that part of town Newtown North a bit of a game changer for that part of town and then in Glasgow stuff Bruce is involved with Glasgow University etc 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 candle rigs down um, that drum have got I mean these are very 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 exciting schemes that are all happening in within 50 miles of each other Time for the Savile Standout Statistic, which uh, you've been warned about. Uh, you know, sometimes people get a little bit worried about this and having to come up with something, but it's really, there's no pressure. Um, <laughs> it's a little nugget of something that makes people go, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you've both got one ready? Prepared one? I've got three. Three? <laughs> Have you got any now? I've got one. Oh, okay. Well, you only get to use one. So uh, <laughs> why, why don't you give us your one, Nick? Yeah, well, it, it picks up on, on, on a bit of a theme that we've been talking about in terms of why people are attracted to Scotland, but the standout stat for me is that there are projected to be 32,000 new office-based jobs that will be um, created in Scotland over the next five years. That's a lot of desks. It's a lot of desks. And offices. And a lot of office space. Yeah, absolutely. Bruce, well, pick one of three. What's your best one? <laughs> uh, so, so I think my best one is that the, uh, the Glasgow hotel market, which has become a key part of the Glasgow economy, um, has been one of the best performing regional markets in the UK. The reason for that is it's been pump primed by the SECC uh, Hydro Arena, uh, which was a 
council-sponsored uh, development. And that is now established, established itself as a top five global events venue with over 1.1 million visitors annually and 144 events last year. So what's happening is when big artists come to Glasgow, the uh, entire hotel market uh, is selling out. Wow. That's one thing, one, one thing. development, one building. One building, such yeah. An so it's amazing. a huge catalytic effect. That's yeah. right. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio. I hope you've enjoyed it. Was that was that fun? Was Love it worth doing? Yeah, yeah, thank you really very much. Yeah, no, worth coming really all the way down yeah. from Scotland for. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. That's, uh, that's great. Thank you both very much. That's it for Real Estate Insights this time around. Uh, if all that's done is where your appetite for more information and knowledge, you'll find the Scotland Report uh, on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk forward slash research. Not sure why I hesitated there. I've said it enough times. And if you aren't already a subscriber and would like to become one to Real Estate Insights, then please feel free to do so using your usual podcast provider in the meantime thank you very much for listening and see you next time this podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.